0: 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 9 through 15. The scripture reads, So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread. And he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. When David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days ago I fell sick. He made an invasion upon the south of the Karathites, and upon the coast, which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God, that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. We're continuing now in this series that we started last Sunday, in the subject of Victory from Defeat. This involves a time when David and his men were on the move and had been so for about six years. As we said, they were fleeing from Saul. King Saul was determined to kill David. And as a result, David and his faithful followers had to continually be on the move. They ended up gaining refuge, if you will, in the land of the Philistines. And King Achish gave the city of Ziklag to David. And he and his men lived there. This passage deals with when they returned from one of their trips and as a result found the city burned, all of their families had been taken captive and all their possessions had been plundered. We looked last week at the first aspect of this particular subject of victory from defeat and considered prayer. In the midst of pain, we saw the enemy came in and destroyed the city and took their possessions, their families. We looked at the pain of the emotion that overwrought those men as they had lost everything. And then as well, we looked at the plea of David as he turned to the Lord, asking God, do you want us to pursue them and do you want us to overtake them? Today we're looking at the subject of compassion in the midst of commitment. Next Sunday we'll continue with obedience In the midst of opposition, in verses 16 through 20, and two Sundays from now, verses 21 through 31, graciousness in the midst of greed. But for today, we're looking here at verses 9 through 15 and considering, as we said, the subject of compassion in the midst of conflict. Again, notice verses 9 and 10. We see their determination. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint they could not go over the brook Besor. David had been assured of the Lord that he and his men would be able to Find and overtake their enemy, the Amalekites. But just imagine the emotions of David and his men as they were pursuing their their foe. They were stricken with grief and heartache over the loss of their families. They had been on the run for six years and pretty much had been tired of having to go through so many difficulties for such a long time. The grief, the emotion, it took its toll on these men. And as they pursued... They've come to a point now where one third of their group, 200 of these men, could no longer continue. They had become so exhausted, they could no longer keep up with the chase. It's interesting to note, verse 9, they came to a point in their pursuit when their continuing to follow after the Amalekites was just going to get more and more difficult. And in order to prevent them from being slowed down by those who were running out of steam, if you will, they just left these men behind. David's men pursued as far as this Besor Ravine, and is about 20 miles south of Ziklag. So they have been running. They have been on the move for some 20 miles, and they've come to this point. The Besor Ravine... Was a deep wadi. It was a dry riverbed three to four hundred feet wide with steep sides, which would require great agility and energy to make it down, across, and back up. And some of the men just didn't have the strength to go on. As a result, they're being utterly exhausted. David decided to leave them behind. They had already spent three days traveling from the battlefield back to Ziglag, have now spent an entire day in pursuit they have thus gone for over 50 miles now without a break they were physically exhausted they were emotionally spent and these men could go on no more now it's unlikely that any of the 200 men that couldn't press on wanted to stay It was their families that had been taken as well. These men were not cowards. These men were not lazy. They just physically could not go any further. They had spent every bit of their energy pursuing their objective, and uh, they came to a point where they could no longer travel. It's interesting. One picture we see in this particular event is that commitment to a cause without cost is meaningless. They had spent every bit of their energy. They had been willing to pay the price to pursue their enemy and try and gain back their family. But they had come to a point where they just had no more to give. This demonstrates the resolve of David and his men in trying to pursue the Amalekites and in hoping to get their families back. They were pushing as hard as they could. Well, a lesson for us as Christians is we need to be committed to a cause. We need to be committed to serving the Lord and recognize that commitment demands cost. 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, we have David speaking of the importance of worship. He said, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Job chapter 5 verse 8 says, I would seek unto God and unto God would I commit my cause. Psalm 37 verse 5 declares, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. No doubt David's men were committed to getting their families back. We as God's children need to be equally committed to doing the work of the Lord and fulfilling the will of God in our lives. We need to understand that doing the work of God takes effort. It takes determination. It takes commitment. I believe far too many Christians approach the Lord's work with a maybe-so, maybe-not attitude. But our Supreme Commander has given us a task to fulfill throughout our lives, and we should be dedicated to accomplishing His will, doing that which He has given us to do. Jesus provided a very good example of this when He, during His ministry in John 9, verse 4, said, I must work the works of Him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Ecclesiastes 9.10 challenges us, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. Ephesians 5.16, Redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Beloved, we need to be busy about the Lord's work, but we need to approach it with seriousness, with dedication, with commitment, recognizing God has given us a task Colossians 3.23, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Former President Teddy Roosevelt once said, It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbled or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly who errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat." There will be people who seek to test our commitment to God. They'll strive to pull us away from walking with the Lord. They'll seek to impose upon us restrictions that would prevent us from doing what God wants us to do. The Old Testament and new alike are replete with stories about men and women who served God during times of difficulty and discouragement and great trouble, but faithfully served the Lord, being committed to the work that God had given them to do, and demonstrated victory in those trials. So here we see the first lesson in this passage of Scripture The idea of our uh, resolve, being determined to do what God wants us to do. Next, we notice something about their trip. Verse 11 and 12. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten nor drunk any water three days and three nights." We just considered the fact that they've been pushing on so quickly and de- with determination and resolve that 200 of their men couldn't make it any further. Now, all of a sudden, the tide changes and they stop. What happens? They wouldn't stop for their own benefit. They wouldn't stop for the benefit of those who were struggling to keep up with them. But now... They are stopping for the benefit of another. The next lesson here comes in regard to their delay. Some of the men spotted this man. They brought him to David. They gave him food and drink. He hadn't eaten or drunk for three days and three nights. No doubt he was in bad shape. Some of David's men probably thought to themselves, we didn't waste any time with the men who couldn't keep up with us. Why are we bothering with this person? He means nothing to me. We need to be careful that our resolve doesn't get in the way of listening to the Lord as we make our way through life. An important lesson here. for David, as he sees this Egyptian, this young man, he sees him suffering, struggling near death. No doubt David's thoughts took him back to numerous occasions when he received help. After all, he and his men had been on the run for six years and they had benefited from the kindnesses of many along the way. In fact, one of the women, David had two wives and one of the women he was uh, seeking to uh, rescue was a woman who showed him great kindness when her husband, when he was alive, showed David nothing but evil. So no doubt, David was reminded of the kindnesses that he had received of others and as a result, had compassion on that individual that man who was laying there suffering. We should never take for granted the compassion that he's shown us and we should always be willing to demonstrate compassion to others even if it does mean our plans are going to be interrupted. Our interests are going to suffer delay. Our goals are going to be put on hold for a little bit of time. We should never... Fail to demonstrate compassion to others. Psalm eighty-five, verse sixteen. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and in truth. First Peter three eight. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Jude verse twenty-two. And of some having compassion, making a difference. We ought to be grateful for the love and compassion that has been demonstrated toward us. And we should never fail to take advantage of an opportunity to do the same for someone else. In this situation, it cost them time. It slowed them down. It interrupted their plans. But we'll see in just a moment. The lesson here is that we can demonstrate compassion in the midst of conflict and still recognize the victories that God wants us to have. All the love we show others can 't be limited just to those we like now look around it 's easy to get get along with this crowd. Thank the Lord. you know we have unity in our church family. What a blessing, But you know God expects us to be kind to more than just those people we like, or we like being around, or those whose company we enjoy. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 27, But I say unto you which hear, Love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Again, further on in that chapter in verse 35, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. What an amazing statement about God. He is kind to the unthankful and the evil. Too many people have it in their mind that you be kind to people because they've been kind to you. No, you be kind to people because it is the right thing to do. God loved us when we were unlovely. But God commendeth his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. What a joy to know that He didn't wait for us to meet His expectations. No, He loved us just as we are. What a great God we serve. He loved the entire world. Our hearts are always to be filled with compassion, reaching out to help any person who is in need. There are needs all around us. Every community has some people who are in pain and suffering whether it be from disease, old age, rejection, depression, discouragement, abuse, a lack of finances, inadequate housing, loneliness, emptiness, grief and sorrow, unemployment. We can't meet the need of every individual, but we can show kindness to those whom the Lord enables us to demonstrate kindness to. When we know of a person who needs help, we should act with compassion. We should listen to the word of God and see what it has to say about this. 1 John three seventeen. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother having need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? What an amazing question. Galatians 6, 2, Bear ye one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans fifteen one. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know what's amazing about that particular verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 35? We don't see that phrase being spoken by our Lord in the gospel accounts. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul is quoting something the Lord said during his ministry. Paul remembered the kindnesses that were shown to him. Paul remembered the way he treated others before he got saved. And he determined that after he got saved, he wasn't going to follow that path. James one twenty seven: pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world, demonstrating kindness to those who are in need. Bob Pierce once said, Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. C.H. Spurgeon is noted for saying, Love your fellow men and cry about them if you cannot bring them to Christ. If you cannot save them, you can weep over them. If you cannot give them a drop of cold water in hell, you can give them your heart's tears while they're still in this world. Compassion, care for others in need. Well, In this lesson of compassion in the midst of conflict, we see their determination, their resolve in pursuing their goal. We also saw their delay and how they took time to demonstrate compassion to one in need, and then verses 13, 14 and fifteen, we see their reward. And David said unto them, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, "I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. He made an invasion upon excuse me, we made an invasion upon the south of the Carthites and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God, that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this country. This was a costly delay for them. It slowed them down. Whenever you are pursuing someone and you stop, It increases the space between you and the one you're after. And that's what happened with them. It gave the Amalekites time to get further away. It was a costly delay. But once revived, and this man had an opportunity to be questioned by David. David received a great blessing. He found out that this man was not just an Egyptian slave, but he was the slave of an Amalekite who was on that raiding party. And he learned the details of the Amalekites. He learned that they went through the Negev of the Karathites. He, went, he learned that they went through a territory belonging to Judah. And he also learned they went to the Negev of Caleb. See here we have an amazing lesson on compassion. Because not, not only did they just stop to offer compassion, but it brought a reward to them because of their kindness. Because he stopped, because he demonstrated compassion, he was rewarded with additional information about his enemy. You know, Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You see, I think sometimes we forget God keeps track of all of our activities, the Lord is well aware of what we do as Christians. And even though he's assigned us a task, he watches us along the way, how we treat others, how we respond to others. I confess, sometimes when I get focused in on a project, I'm pretty unpleasant. I don't like to be interrupted. I don't... I mean, bless my... poor Debbie. You know, sometimes I'm pretty impatient in that regard. My goal is to get from A to B as quickly and completely as possible with no interruptions, no zigzags. I want a straight line. I want to make sure I get it done and get it done quickly and correctly because I don't want to have to go back and do it again. If I get interrupted, I think I'm going to lose track or whatever. Well... You know, the Lord notices when he assigns us a task. He not only notices how we do it, but he notices what we do along the way. If my task in getting to my goal, in in accomplishing something, is to march right over as many people as possible or as necessary to get the job done, if that's my goal, then shame on me. But if... In reaching my goal is to show kindness, consideration, patience, and compassion to others between A and B. Then that's a good thing. And the Lord sees that. He sees when I respond appropriately and inappropriately in the completion of my task. And He rewards me accordingly. As He does with each Of us as his saints. God expects us to do his will. But he wants us to do it with a right attitude. A right spirit. Not a step all over you. Not a get out of my way or you're going to get squashed attitude. But how can I help you in the way? David took that approach. And he was rewarded greatly for it. Galatians 6.9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. Revelation 22, verse 12, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. See, in this situation, they were in a hurry to get where they wanted to go. The real problem was, they didn't know where that was. You ever been in a hurry to get somewhere and you didn't know where you were going or didn't know how to get there? They just knew the Amalekites went that way. And they were just heading in that direction. Now, all of a sudden, they got some intel that would pinpoint the location of those whom they were pursuing. They got some information that would shorten their pursuit Because they didn't have to go off in this direction, off in that direction. They didn't have to go over there. They didn't have to send people over there trying to figure out where they were. They didn't have to waste time sending scouts all over the territory to find these people. They knew as a result of taking time with this Egyptian, they knew where the Amalekites were going. And as a result, rather than the time of their pursuit being lengthened because of uncertainty... It was shortened because they took time to be compassionate. You know, the interruptions that the Lord brings into our lives have great benefit and great purpose. And rather than getting frustrated and angry and upset all the time because things aren't moving as rapidly or as easily as we think they should, Why don't we thank the Lord for the things he brings into our lives, recognizing that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. All things, all things. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. God's plan and purpose for our life is not haphazard. It's not sporadic. It's not just thrown together in the last few moments. No, God has a plan for us and a purpose that he wants to see accomplished. And he works to see us moved to that end. David learned a great lesson that day. Others had shown him compassion. And as a result, he showed compassion to one who had a great need. But the benefit was, he gained information that he did not have. He was given knowledge that he lacked, enabling him and his men to accomplish their task in a better manner. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself, because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Don't let all those people that are out there, don't let all those voices, don't let all those distractions discourage you. God's in control. Jeremiah nine twenty three. thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That I am the Lord which exerciseth loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. God's in control. Aren't you glad of that? A great lesson in this apparent defeat that they had suffered was that you can still express compassion in the midst of conflict you can do so while demonstrating resolve while showing regard for others and all the while recognizing God will reward his faithful servants let me close with this illustration some of you might be familiar with this story Uh, a true story indeed one stormy night, a couple entered the lobby of the Bellevue Hotel in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They asked for a room. clerk said all the rooms were filled, as were all the hotels in the town at that time. But he said, I can't send you two back out in the rain. He said, would you be willing to take my room? And the couple declined, but the clerk insisted. The next morning when the man paid his bill, he said, you're the kind of man who should be managing the best hotel in the United States. Two years later, that clerk received an invitation asking him to come to New York. When he arrived, his host took him to the corner of Fifth Avenue and 34th Street, where stood a magnificent new building. And he said to his guest, this is the hotel you should be managing. The elderly man who came into his hotel that one Rainy night in Philadelphia, was William Waldorf Astor. The year, 1893. The building was the original Waldorf Hotel, which came to be known as it was expanded to the Waldorf Astoria. And The hotel clerk, George C. Bolt, the first manager of the Waldorf Hotel. Bolt demonstrated kindness while providing shelter for others, and he was rewarded years down the road. Likewise, when we remain faithful to the Lord and demonstrate compassion toward others, especially in times of great difficulty, discouragement, and sacrifice, we'll be able to enjoy the blessings of God in and through our lives. Someone has said this, We're conditioned to think our lives revolve around great moments, but great moments often catch us unaware, wrapped up, in what others may consider a small or unimportant one. What a lesson, compassion in the midst of conflict.